Well, good morning. Uh, so part of that, uh, the audio, was that uh, throughout, the, throughout the reading, someone is reading, and, and you were going to hear animals and chirping and the decree uh, and all these things that help us understand uh, that within this original context, that there's real things happening uh, and, and real sounds happening that if we're not careful, we'll miss it. And the whole idea of the sound, of coming to our senses, uh, of, of this sense of sound that we'll be talking about today is that in this everyday life, the sounds that we hear, we have to be careful that we don't miss what God might have to say even through those normal everyday sounds that happen in our lives. And, and so many times we do miss it because we have a hard time or a difficult time being good listeners. I remember, uh, actually it was last year, I was thinking about last year, I was having a conversation <coughs> with my sister about buying a gift for my dad. Now, buying a Christmas gift for my dad is an impo- or birthday gift or any other type of gift is an impossible task. Because every time we ask him what he wants, it's always, oh, don't get me anything. Oh, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. And so I'm a little frustrated because I just want to say, you should just tell me what you need because we're going to buy you something anyways. You might as well like what we get you. And so you have an option here. But still, he'll say, no, don't get me anything. And so one Christmas, I was going to say, okay, okay. I, I hope he doesn't get upset, but I'm not going to buy him anything. Uh, and so my sister calls me and says, you know what? Don't worry. I got it. Uh, I will buy something for dad for the both of us. I said, okay. <clears throat> and so uh, we're on the phone, uh, and unfortunately, this was a Sunday <clears throat> afternoon, uh, which is my sacred and really holy time to watch the Seahawks, right? <laughs> and so I'm on the phone last year, and I'm watching Russell Wilson doing his thing, uh, and, and on the on my left hand, I, you know, I'm listening to my sister. How about this? How about that? Oh, this would be so incredible. This would be so awesome. Let's do this. Let's do that. And I'm giving the quintessential, yeah, okay, uh-huh, yeah. And then there's a couple times when Russell Wilson had a good run. I'm like, yeah. And she's like, oh, really? You love that idea? I'm like, yeah, totally. Uh, and then ultimately she caught on and she said, Prentice, you're, you're not, she said, you're not listening, are you? are you? Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I responded with, yeah, Nina is her name. I said, Nina, yes, I hear you. I hear you. Yes, all that sounds good. I hear you. And she says, I know that you're hearing me, but are you listening? She says, I know that you're hearing me, but are you listening? And at that moment, I, I was a bit convicted because uh, in the way we listen, in the way we interact with people, there is a difference. And, and, and really, this impacts our relationship and the way we hear God, too, as well. It, is there's a difference between to hear and, and to actually to be listening. And at that moment, I was, by audio, I was hearing, but she understood that I was not listening whatsoever. And, and so... Uh, Ultimately, this permeates not only in our relationship with others, but also with God. <clears throat> but we've all seen this manifest in our lives. We've all been asked this question, haven't we? Are you listening to me? Uh, which I would actually argue is a statement, more of a statement, disguised as a question. It's no question at all. It's a statement. And maybe it's the person sitting next to you that's asked you, are you listening to me? 
a spouse, a friend, maybe a coworker? Are you, are you truly listening to me? Or maybe on the other level, on, on the other side of this, uh, have you ever asked a person who's struggling with addiction, uh, a person victim of abuse, of racism, of marginalization, have you ever asked them, do you, do you feel like you've been heard? And, and all the above, I can almost promise you, a majority of the time, the, question, the, the answer to that question would be, actually, no, I don't. See, one thing we have to understand is that to listen, to truly listen, not just to hear, but to listen, is to truly affirm one's humanity. And it becomes a pathway. Listening becomes a pathway to become truly present, to be equal, to be connected with the other. But you see, if, if listening... Truly listening requires us to give our attention, our time, our energy, our mental and emotional, our spiritual capacity, then our culture, our highly digital culture at that, has made listening virtually impossible for us to do well. And again, this certainly affects the relationships around us, which I'm sure we've all experienced. But worst of all, it permeates and affects the relationship that we have with living with and alongside God, our creator, who wants to continually be speaking, transforming our lives. <clears throat> so our text this morning, as I just read, guides us actually into this transformation in the way that we listen. And so what we'll talk about is this, listening, uh, it becomes a movement, And the first movement is from hearing to listening. The second movement is that listening causes us to ponder. And I use that word very intentionally. Listening causes us to ponder. And pondering leads to action. And what we'll see is really uh, worship. And so we get to the first point. The first point is hearing turns to listening. And in Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, what we just read, uh, if you're not careful, within this text, you'll actually start imagining and hearing things that are happening in the background. And in that audio, it kind of gives us a helpful pointer, uh, but I hope that we can use our imagination in doing that. But for us to understand, kind of on a deeper level, is understanding that Luke wrote this probably in the late 60s and 70s. A.D., all right? Uh, And he's talking about Jesus' birth uh, about 30 years after Jesus died. And so in this very oral culture where stories are being passed down and passed down and passed down, Luke didn't want people to miss the point of all that's going on. So Luke actually wrote it down, and other gospel writers actually wrote it down to have it on record. And the way that Luke writes is very, it's brilliant and very intentional. And so let me give you a few examples of the first few verses that we read. You know, it talks about this decree from Emperor Augustus that every, that the whole world, it says, should be registered. Now what the first century listeners would actually hear uh, and, and understand about that verse is that, oh, I see what Luke is trying to say. This was a time when the Roman oppression was so deep uh, that this was all about this new taxation policy when people were registering to be, uh, to be part of the census. 
is that now the, the emperor would be able to know who to tax, how much to tax. So that's what that whole verse was about. And then it says Joseph and his family had to go back to their hometown for this census from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And the first century readers would actually be like, oh, that's brilliant. What he's trying to say is, or what he's really saying is that he's telling us about this prophecy that happened in Micah. So, so Luke is saying, oh, in Micah, there was a prophecy saying the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. And so when Micah writes, he says, look what happened, you guys. Jesus and, or, or Joseph and Mary, the whole family, had to go to Bethlehem for Jesus to be born. So that's two parts. First, it was, yes, to complete that census, but B, it was to fulfill that, that prophecy that everyone in this culture knew from Micah, chapter 5. <coughs> And then it says whom Joseph was engaged to with Mary, I was expecting a child. Now, if we don't really read this well, what we're going to miss is that this was a miracle living inside of shame. I mean, she was, she was pregnant. Uh, and, and, and kind of like now, but especially then, to be pregnant before, out of wedlock was, was a big shameful factor. And, and so Jesus was... What Luke was saying, Jesus is performing a miracle through this shame and honor culture, through this pregnancy, this miraculous pregnancy that others would see as shameful. And so when Luke writes, it's so brilliant that as he writes, he's telling us the whole story of the intricacies, of the details of what's going on in the life uh, that was when Jesus was born. See, this extraordinary story, is, you'll also find that it's filled with so much sound, sound of everyday life, like there's an, there's an announcement, so the decree, people hustling and bustling around, you know, kind of like when you go to the mall, like during Christmas, you just hear and you see people walking around. Uh, some people love it, some people don't like it. Uh, you, you hear animals, sounds of animals walking around uh, and, and making sounds. You see a real, you hear, you probably hear a real birth. Jesus was a real birth, all right? It, it, just because he was Jesus doesn't mean that miraculously was like, voila, here he is. He went through an actual, loud, probably painful birth to enter into this world. See, out of those very normal sounds in life that we hear and that we can imagine, we find a baby, Jesus, who was born that would change the entire world as we know it even today. See, what we see is that in that everyday life, within that everyday sound, God becomes fully present even in those normal times. Dare I say, even in the mundane, God is speaking. God is present, fully present. In the typical, in the everyday, God is there. And again, if we're not careful, we will miss it. You know, last week we had a, uh, a chapel speaker uh, speak for the Bethany staff. And he was from um, Anacortes. And he wasn't used to the, the city, is what he called Green Lake, uh, the, the busy city of Green Lake. And he was sitting down, and, and as he was getting started on his, his talk for the chapel for us, uh, he kept on getting distracted. And, and we we're like, man, what, what's this guy's problem? What, what's so distracting? And he finally stopped his introduction, and he said, do you guys hear that? And I said, what? What is it that you hear? Do you hear sirens? And, and we're like, 
well, we didn't until you pointed that out. And sort of like, oh yeah, I guess there's sirens. And us as people that you know, live in that area, we looked at each other and we we're like, yeah, what's wrong with that? We hear that all the time. We become desensitized to sirens, especially living uh, near Aurora. Uh, and, and he was saying, man, how do, you, how do you guys do this? How do you guys focus? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't even notice it. And everyone's just kind of cracking up because no one noticed the sounds of the sirens because we got so desensitized to it. It was happening every day. It was an everyday sound. And even though it happened every day, we completely missed it. And it wasn't until the speaker said, look, this is so distracting. I can't even get started. I'm going to have to wait till it's over, until the sirens are over. I said, well, you're going to be waiting for a long time uh, because they happen a lot. And so I kind of look at that story as I was preparing this. I'm saying, man, how many times does this happen to us? This happens and reflects our lives so much that we get desensitized because of our everyday life, going to work, going to church, going to our friend's house, going to our family's house, go to sleep, waking up, doing the same thing over and over again that somehow we forget to listen for God in the way that God is speaking into our lives. We become desensitized to the way that uh, our schedules are and the routines that we have. And, and so often we expect God to show up and speak through miracles and in this crazy extreme ways. Then and only then will we actually know that God is speaking. Because certainly God wouldn't speak in the everyday, in the normal, in the typical. Or sometimes we ask God to Speak to us, right? Have you guys ever asked that? God, say something. Speak. Uh, tell me, should I take a left or take a right? Should I have this burger or this taco? Of course, God always says both. Uh, but we always ask for this audible voices. <clears throat> and, and I'm not saying miracles in extreme ways and, and audible voices don't happen. I agree with that 100%. I'm a Presbyterian, and I still agree with that. Uh, and if you don't understand that joke, that's totally fine. Uh, but I'll be honest, I, I don't know that I've ever, I've ever heard of God speak audibly. You know, and, I, and I've actually heard friends say that to me, and I believe them, I trust them. They say, I don't know where it is, I woke up and, and I heard God say, do this. I'm like, Man, that's pretty awesome. I've actually never heard God say audibly, do something. Uh, the only thing of wrathful that I hear is from my dad. Uh, Bad joke. I won't, I won't use that the next time I give that. So the point is this. The point is we often ask God and we see God speaking to us through miracles, through extreme, through these audible voices. And what I'm saying is that sometimes, I would say majority of the time, that is not the way that God speaks to us. And yet, time and time again, we say that we would only be satisfied, we only find satisfaction, we would only be settled if God spoke in those extreme ways. But what if God is speaking to you? What if God is speaking to me right now? What if God is speaking, speaking to us, has been speaking to us every day? Through your spouse, through your friends, through your children. Maybe it's through nature. Maybe even something as typical as driving to work or to school or through music or through arts. And the problem is we, in even these sacred 
moments, we miss it because we're so busy, so distracted, so cluttered by the noise that often infiltrates our lives and we become desensitized in the way that we hear what God might be saying. See, for the most of us, the actual hearing of people, of things, of, 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 of events in our lives, hearing isn't the issue. We hear things all the time. But it's listening that's a different story. It's much more difficult. It requires intentionality, and I would say it, it requires sacrifice. So in order for us to truly understand what God might be calling us to, uh, how, the life that God wants us to live, it actually has to go to the beginning and we have to change our attitude from just hearing, just moving along life and saying, God, I want to listen. I'm here. I want to know what you want from me. And the answer to that, what I'm saying is often it doesn't happen in this audible voice, in this miraculous event. It happens every day in our lives. And so, for example, maybe the next time you're in traffic or perhaps you hear someone uh, honk the horn at you or so out of, because they're displeased of the way you drive, could God be speaking to you there and convicting you of something? I mean, I'll be the first one to admit that I tend to have a high tolerance. I have, a, you know, a, a long fuse, except for when it comes to driving for some reason. And so, you know, when someone honks at me, when someone tells me I'm number one, you know, whatever it is, you know, I, uh, I want to see what God has for me there. You know, what if it's the sound of vicious words coming from somebody's mouth towards you? Could God be teaching you something there? Or when you walk outside of your house and to your car and you're just walking, and you're going to this job that's providing for you, or you're catching the bus, or you're going to school, or you get to learn, could God be actually saying something to you there? And the sounds of your children crying, or, or even arguing, even there, could there be a blessing that God has for you? Some of you guys are like, Prince, you don't have children. No. What about the sounds of laughter? Just simple laughter with friends and family. Could God be saying something to you in the midst of that? Or the sounds of your boss, of your teacher, of your coworkers? Just those regular interactions. Could God be speaking to you? Just maybe speaking to you in those moments. <coughs> May we be a people of not just hearing but sacrificially, intentionally, with purpose, listen to what the other has to say, especially what God might have to say to us. And oftentimes, it's, it, it, it's those places of our typical day-to-day -day lives that God calls us to listen, have ears to hear. Because what happens is that listening, when, when hearing turns to listening, listening turns to pondering. In Luke chapter 2, verse 19, it says that Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. I love this. I love that it says this about Mary. See, the original Greek word for, for ponder is this word sambalo, okay? It, which means to 
think seriously about. That's what it means to ponder. But not just that. What's interesting is that Luke, who writes this, uses this in another way. In chapter 14, the same author uses the word symbolo uh, uh, that our English Bible translates to wage war. It's the same word as waging war. And in Luke, or, or in Acts, which Luke also writes, the same word symbolo, the English Bible actually translates to, to, to debate. So Luke is interchanging this word symbolo that we hear and see as to ponder, but, but Paul also uses the same word to wage war, and also uses the same word to debate. And so what's happening... <coughs> What's happening here is that Luke is describing exactly what's happening to Mary. First, she hears the sounds of her child and of the, angels, uh, of the angel uh, regarding her child. And it says that she treasures it, which really means to protect, and treasures every moment of it. And she's not just hearing it uh, and just not letting it one ear out the other. She's paying close attention and actually Sambalo, thinking seriously about it. But I also believe that she's having this internal battle within her. She's thinking so hard that she's kind of battling within herself. And this makes sense because earlier in that chapter, uh, she was really confused as to how she would have a baby because, uh, you know, you guys know how babies happen, right? Well, that didn't happen. And so she was very confused. Uh, and so that makes sense that she was having this internal battle within her. I'm not afraid to say sex, by the way. I was just trying to move forward. Uh, now, I've never, again, I've never been in labor before, right? I hope that's not a surprise, nor have I been with someone that's been in labor. Uh, but, it, but I remember a friend describing to me her experience when she had her first child. Her second child was different for, for some reason. Uh, and she said, this was, what, this was what, what was running through my mind. Uh, this mind of, oh my gosh, I'm having a baby. This is incredible. I'm having a baby. Oh no, I'm having a baby. And then she says, and then it went from, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be so hard. This is going to be the best day of my life. This is the end of my life. This is going to be so incredible. I can't wait all the way to... This is going to be the biggest challenge I'll ever experience. I'm going to raise this baby with so much love and so much care, I can't wait. What if the baby ends up to be a mass murderer or a killer? I don't know. See, what she was describing to me is that within that even, you know, few minutes of the baby being born, she was saying there's this dichotomy of wrestling even within her. She knows that she's going to treasure and protect and love the child at the same time. Is this really going to happen? Am I going to do really well? Am I going to be successful? Is this baby going to turn out okay? There's this symbolo going on even within her because she's taking this so seriously as she should. She's thinking about it so seriously as she should. See, oftentimes when we listen to what people have to say, when we listen for what God has to say, and we actually p- 
ponder it, because listening will lead to pondering, to wrestle, to ask questions, to discuss, to dive into what God might have to say. That is what changes and transforms our lives. And so the question is, are we simply hearing or are we listening? And the way we can answer that question is that if it causes us to ponder, then we're probably listening. But the difficult but necessary, I'd say, part is that pondering requires courage. It takes courage. We don't like it because what pondering does, and this is really important, here's what pondering does. When we move from hearing to listening, listening causes us to actually wrestle with and think about our own lives and the way that God might be speaking to us. This is very difficult because it causes us to metaphorically grab a mirror and put it up right to our face. And sometimes it's okay, but other times what we see we don't like. It's painful. It hurts. See, we're confronted with the way that we hurt others. We're confronted by the way that others have hurt us. We're confronted when we ponder, seriously ponder. We're confronted with our shame, our anger, our past, our fears. And it's way easier, way easier just to ignore it and pretend it never happened, not to ponder it, not to listen to what God might have to say through that. It's easier not to wrestle with it because to wrestle with it, to be confronted with it is downright scary. And I would say this literally, it is scary. It is scary as hell for a lot of us. It is. But God is saying it takes work. Go there. Go there. You know, again, I tell stories of my chaplaincy a lot. <clears throat> and I remember when, I, when there was a patient that, that died in the oncology. And I went up to a surgeon. And I said to the, to the surgeon, I said, Doctor, you, you see this day in, day out, death and loss and sickness. How do you do it? You know, for the first month, I would go home weeping because a patient had died or they're dealing with hard news. And the doctor <coughs> said, you know what? You've become kind of numb to it. You don't really think about it as much anymore. And, and, and there's this tension because one side of me understands what he's saying. Yeah, he has to do his job. But he was saying that you just go home and you go to the next patient. You can't let it bother you too much. And at that moment, A, I was thankful that I was, I was not him, that I didn't have that responsibility. And I would go home and I prayed that night. <coughs> I said, God, even if it makes me cry every single night, please do not have my heart ever become callous. And that's not an attack on the doctor. That he is doing his job. But as for me, God, even if that requires me to be in pain every day of my life, even if that means me looking at a mirror and crying and weeping and being so heartbroken for others, may it be so. Even though it's difficult, rather than me ignoring it, pretending these things in my life have not happened, because true transformation happens when we not only 
Listen, but ponder and wrestle with the real things that God is exposing in our lives. And I love what uh, the angel has to say. The angel says, do not be afraid. See, may we, you and I, always be in tune with God's heart. God might be speaking to you right now. Ponder what God might have to say. Wrestle with it. Maybe it's letting go of a relationship. Maybe it's changing your attitude. Maybe it's asking for forgiveness or giving forgiveness. Maybe it's seeking justice. Maybe it's going into that place that's uncomfortable for you. Maybe it's going to that place in our souls that's downright painful. Lean into it. Again, the angel says, do not be afraid. And just a practical thing that's helped me so many times in the Christian world, uh, uh, therapy is such such a bad word. And I'm telling you right now, I've seen it happen in my own life. That's just my level of vulnerability to you. I've, ha- I've seen it happen, transform other people's lives. Therapy, a good therapist in counseling, is not a bad word. For some reason, in the Christian culture, we've stigmatized it. There's people that God calls in the professional realm that helps us to ponder, ponder well, ponder in a healthy way, ponder even in a godly way. And so I don't want us to ever feel like we're alone in this journey of pondering, even aside from our community here. Because hearing leads to listening. Listening leads to pondering. Wrestling with the real issues in our lives. And hearing what God might have to say. And that leads to action. Pondering leads to action. See, in the ancient Hebrew context, the the learning, it was always, 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 always a vehicle for action. It was never just meant to make somebody smarter or to have the best grades in class or to receive any type of accolades or to store information in our brains. The purpose of learning was always for action. And that was actually the measurement of transformation. You are transformed. Uh, the level of transformation is a result of how much, how much you've learned and how much you do. But true transformation requires that not only is our head affected, but our hearts are as well. In John 10, 27, I love it. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. See, this picture of this this Greek word really comes from a Hebrew word, to follow. It really is picturing somebody walking behind them and taking every footstep that the person in front of them is taking. I remember when I was taking a friend hiking for the first time, and we got to a river, a river with rocks, and we had to cross it, and I said, okay, follow me, okay? Uh, but take every step that I take. If my right foot goes on that rock, make sure your right foot hits that rock. Do as I do. And so I would take that, and I'd go here, and I'd go there, and we'd cross over safely. So this idea of follow isn't just this, this dogmatic, this, uh, this word saying, oh, I'm going to follow God. What it means to follow is actually, yes, we're going to learn about God, but it's actually to do and emulate the way that God loves this world, loves his people, uh, and we're actually doing what God does. So as we listen and as we ponder and as we hear what God is teaching us, true transformation means that we do something about it, that we follow in obedience and what God calls us to do. Another story in Luke chapter 10, verse 38, it's about Mary and Martha. 
And it says that as Jesus came to the disciples, or Jesus, Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet. See, sitting at the Lord's feet, again, is this idiom for teacher, this rabbi and student type of relationship. Mary sat down at the feet of Jesus to learn from the rabbi. And again, in this culture, it wasn't just to learn for the sake of learning. It was for, for the sake of doing, for the sake of doing. I mean, Mary is an, is an example, a perfect example of, of many women being called to ministry because Mary was, and that's what Mary was doing at the time. Pondering should and will, true pondering, should and will always result to action. And that action is what we call worship. It becomes worship. <clears throat> so I'm going to invite the worship team up. And as they come up, I just want to end with this, this challenge. That God is speaking to you. Every day. In the typical, in the mundane. And may we be a people, myself included, that seeks to listen. Not just to hear, but to listen. Because listening turns, uh, turns into pondering, us really wrestling with the things that God wants us to confront ourselves with. And I'll say this, sometimes what God wants us to confront ourselves with is really good. And sometimes it's really, really bad. But it's always beautiful. That journey will always be beautiful. Because through that pondering, God changes our hearts and causes us to action, to live differently, to be different. Again, maybe that means to choose to forgive, to be generous, to love, to reach out. I don't know what that answer is. But it's there. And God is calling us to that. Lean into it. I just want to end with this. this uh, Lauren Winters is a writer in this book called Still. And she was saying how much she hates being lonely in this context. But she's confronted with it. <clears throat> and what we talked about is even in that loneliness for her, or even in that space where you're pondering, the question is, what does God have for you there? She says this, the loneliness came in an instant, more sudden than weather. For the first three hours of this day, I was perfectly placid in my seclusion. Now I feel as though I'm about to disappear. She hates loneliness that much. But she says, I can stay in this for five minutes, I tell myself. I don't have to open a bottle of gin. I can ask the loneliness what she has for me. I tell the loneliness to pull up a seat. I notice, I notice she does not look very threatening after all. She has a touch of the dowager about her, actually. She is clutching a handbag made of fat white beads, and she smells of rose water. We sit next to each other, loneliness and I, 
On the screen porch sofa, with its faded hibiscus fabric and fraying wicker, I lean back, I breathe. I ask her loneliness, where she's from. And she says, over the mountain. What mountain, I wonder? I haven't lived near a mountain for years. I ask loneliness what she has for me. She takes a letter opener from her bag and tells me to take it and kill me if she wants to. I know sometimes pondering is difficult because it takes us again into the good but also into the bad, the ugly, the painful. And maybe you've been there, or maybe you're there right now. You're in that pondering, and it hurts because that mirror is, is facing you right in the face and exposing all the ways that hurts. I just ask you to ask yourself this question as I ask myself this question. What do you have for me there? Pain. What do you have for me? What are you about? What are you telling me? Shame, what are you telling me? What do you have for me? Sadness, grief, what do you have for me? What are you, what are you saying to me? Because in that pondering, God brings healing, transformation, and joy, because the birth and life and teaching of life and death and resurrection of Jesus always, always, always has the last word. Let me pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the good. We thank you for the bad. We thank you for the ugly. Because within all of that, you're speaking to us. And may we not miss it. May we not be distracted by the noise, by the chaos in our lives. But may we reach out and hear what you have to say, even in this time. Because as we not only hear, but when we listen and when we ponder and wrestle with what you have to say, may it lead to action. And that action is worship to you. We thank you. In your name we